Today on The Balanced Word from Dave Roth. Sorry, we're never going to fit in. We're never going to be on the winning side until death happens. We're never going to be on the winning side until Jesus returns. You can take all the pleasure you want in thinking that if we whip up some big thing, well, we're going to take over. Learn from what Jesus said to Smyrna. It doesn't work that way. You'll know you're doing it right when people hate you. You'll come to understand ultimately that death is what you look forward to. You will get this perspective that Paul talked about when he said, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Wake up my soul. Wake up early in the day. Wake up my hand. And the instrument I play. Wake up my voice. Let the world hear me say, you are worshipped and it's all to hear today. If you're a regular listener to The Balanced Word, you'll recall we're in the middle of a short but powerful series on the seven churches of Revelation. Today's message from Pastor Dave Rolf is centered on the Lord's message to the church in Smyrna, found in Revelation chapter 2. You know, pain is never fun to experience or even talk about, but pain, both physical and emotional, is inevitable. The church in Smyrna was suffering a barrage of persecution and tribulation, yet the Lord reminds them not to be fearful, but rather be faithful. That's an important point for Christians today as well. The word tribulation just means pressure. And he goes, look, I understand that you're under pressure. It's hard for you to do what you're called to do because there's pressure on you. And he said, I get it. And I understand, I see your poverty, but actually you're rich. Already, they were sacrificing greatly because of their commitment to Jesus Christ, and at least partly because of their their unwillingness to make a commitment to the emperor, you know, to the Caesar. At that point, they had developed a, again, Smyrna was the first place where they out and out worshipped Caesar. They decided he's a god. And so everyone was kind of required to take a pinch of incense and offer it and say, Caesar is Lord. Now, for some of the people, they're like, hey, he's Lord, and small L. You know, they would play this game. But the Christians were so convicted that there's really only one Lord that they would refuse to make that pledge. As a result, it affected their ability to do business. Even as later on in Revelation, we will read about people who won't worship the beast end up, you know, it costs them their ability to buy and sell and to do business. So this was already being experienced by them. And he goes, I get it. You're becoming poor because of your integrity. But the truth is, you're actually much richer than people who sell out in order to compromise their faith. So I know that. By the way, this is one of the only churches that he doesn't tell them anything bad that they're doing. Um, We saw him in Ephesus where he's like, Okay, you got this, that's good. You got this, that's bad. You got this, that's good. These guys, he doesn't say anything bad about them. But he said, uh, I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. He goes, those Jews that think, that pretend, that act like they're representing Yahweh, they're fooling themselves, but they don't fool me. I get it. They are blaspheming. They are speaking against you, claiming to represent their God. And they're a complete 
You know, they're completely corrupt. There's nothing real about their faith. They don't even deserve to be called Jews. They're a synagogue of Satan. But he says, I get it. But do not, verse 10, do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. I'd rather hear somebody say, do not fear. You're not going to suffer. And he goes, you think it hurts now? It's going to hurt worse. But I don't want you to give in to fear. I don't want you to get panicked about what's going to happen. There are some people who read the book of Revelation and they see what the Bible says is going to happen on the earth and they're like, ah, or they're worse yet, Christians who are like, oh, thank God I'm not going to be there. Or why? There are going to be people who are there who are your brothers and sisters who accept Christ. You really think it's that great that you're not going to be? I don't believe that I'm going to be there. But at the same time, it's like, I don't, I'm not afraid of that. If it turned out that I was wrong and that the rapture isn't coming before the tribulation and I'm going through the tribulation, that does not give me great concern. I would be thinking about how many people I could take out before they cut my head off. And I'd be like, well, that's good. At least I know my mission. But he says, look, I don't want you to be afraid. Bad things are going to happen. And for a fact, things got much worse in Smyrna, for sure. But he said, fear is your enemy. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison. Oh, great. And their prisons were awful, by the way. That you may be tested and you will have tribulation for 10 days. People debate what this actually means. There are some people who say, they talk about there were actually 10 emperors, and as a result, it's talking about all of those. Other people say, well, the final emperor who was persecuting the Christians really bad was in office for 10 years, so 10 years is 10 days. It's probably just a Greek expression that means for a while. It's like 10 days. You can, you can deal with anything for 10 days. But he said, be faithful until death. Thanks. I was really hoping that there was some escape clause here. He said, nope, you're being persecuted now, you're sacrificing now, but someday you're going to get killed and you remain faithful. You're going to get killed one way or the other, you just don't, you have your priorities straight if you remain faithful while you're being mistreated and ultimately killed and I will give you the crown of life. Crown of life is mentioned in other places as a reward. It's not, the word here for crown isn't the word for a crown that a king would wear. It's the word for a crown that a victor would wear, a crown that would be given as a, you know, trophy for someone who's really overcome. He goes, trust me, you'll die. You're faithful. In the end, you're going to look at it and go, this was one of the best things I ever did. This was something that was really precious to me, the crown of life. And then he says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. He goes, death is coming. It's going to come to all of us. Some of you will die in pain. But don't lose your perspective because there's another death that's way more serious than this one. The first death, Jesus is like, I did it. Bounced right back. I'm here to tell you. You're going to be fine. Don't be afraid of death. What you should be afraid of is dying without hope 
for eternity. Dying without knowing what's going to happen to you after that because there is a permanent death that if you refuse to be in fellowship with God, if you turn Jesus down as his offer for salvation is given, now you should be afraid. But you should be more afraid of being found to be somebody who's denied your faith than you should be afraid about somebody who, who acknowledges their faith and ends up being killed. So he lays this out for Smyrna. It's like, wow, I thought it was bad. It's going to get worse. In fact, it did. It got a lot worse because they began to, you know, rile up the Romans in order to earn points. And in cooperation with the Jews, some of the worst persecution in the first couple centuries of the church centered in this area in Smyrna. And one of the guys that ends up being there, a guy uh, named Polycarp, who was actually, he was trained under the Apostle John. So while John was pastoring in Ephesus, Polycarp was probably being mentored by him. Maybe he was a youth pastor or something. And he was growing up, and he ended up becoming the pastor of the church in Smyrna. So he had that connection with Polycarp, if you follow through history or you read about the martyrs of the church, he was one of the most well-known ones. He had been faithful. He had served the church. Persecution was getting worse. They had a whole arena where they would bring Christians down there, and they would just, they thought it was a great sport. You offer them incense. They go, take a pinch of incense and say, Caesar is Lord, and, you know, you can go free. And, you know, they're like, you could cross your fingers. You could, well, Lord, but not, whatever. But they paraded people. And there was a crowd there hoping that some Christian would say no. Because then they would release the wild animals and have them tear them to shreds. And it became a big sport. And you go, how sick was that? But let's face it, it's still a popular sport to watch people devouring each other, just not quite like this. But... They, they started yelling, bring in Polycarp, guys in his 80s. And they finally dragged him down there, and he walked into the arena, and they said, okay, pinch of incense. Say Caesar is Lord. Come on, man. I don't want to kill an old guy like you. Dude, just do it. You, can, you don't have to mean it. Just say it. And he goes, not going to say it. And the crowd just went nuts, said, release Polycarp to the lions. But by that time, it was so late in the show that all the animals were pretty much full and, and they'd taken them off into their cages. And so the, the Roman proconsul of the day said, we'll burn them at the stake. And they're like, okay, fine. So they tie them up to a stake and they put wood around it and they light it on fire. But he's not being burned. He's singing praises to God. And the proconsul goes, come on, you idiot. Just... Just say that Caesar is Lord. Deny Jesus. And he said, for 86 years, he has been faithful to me, and I will not deny him now. And the guy's just infuriated, and he's really mad that he's not burning. And so then he took a big spear and stuck it in him. His blood like came out and put out the fire. People who were witnesses at the time swear that as Polycarp died, singing a praise to God, that a dove flew up out of the flames and smoke and flew into the heavens. 
And people are like, wow, that guy really believed what he said. He was probably 86 years old. Now, the people who want to believe in infant baptism, by the way, use Polycarp's statement. He, you know, he's been faithful to me for 86 years to argue that he was baptized when he was a baby, and that's why, you know, but that's silly. There's nothing, there's nothing biblical or historical to support that. But there he is. And imagine you're somebody that's a part of his church, and you're like, you're remembering what Jesus said. I told you. told you it was going to be like this. I said this was going to happen. And I'm telling you, there will be times when you make a choice between your faith and, and an absolute denial of that faith. And it won't go well for you on this earth. I'd love to promise that miraculously you'll be delivered. Nope, you're going to die. And, you know, if you're... In Smyrna, you're like, wow, I thought we had it bad now. It's going to get worse. It's one of the reasons probably why Jesus didn't write anything negative to him about them. Because, like, trust me, you're going to learn soon enough. What everything else, you're going to learn what matters most. You know, when I consider this and I think about our age, about the church, here we are a couple thousand years later, what do we know about persecution? I mean... Christians today, for the most part, are the whiniest bunch of babies who think that they're being persecuted because, you know, the government might take your guns away or, or you know, the, the government's going to, you know, affect your election or the government's going to make you bake a cake for homosexuals. or you're, It's like the stuff you hear people whining about, it's not like being burned at the stake. It's like you bunch of babies, you have no idea what persecution is like. Persecution isn't people laughing at you or making fun of you. Persecution isn't that Carl's Jr. came up with a, a new El Diablo burger that cost $6.66. That's not persecution. <laughs> Putting some freak's picture on a can of beer. That's not persecution. Are you kidding me? You're, you're being ridiculous. And yet, there are people today who think about this church. They went to church. They could have easily just said, well, I just have a personal relationship with God. So I will, they couldn't really watch online, but it would be like there was nothing that would keep them away from being a part of the church. Today, we're like, and people act like, oh, guy, if the government says that we can't meet or we lose our tax-exempt status, talk to them about that. Talk to Jesus as he's explaining this. It's like we have such a strange, twisted view of what persecution really is. And, and yet, today, all over the world, in different places, there are our Christian brothers and sisters who are being severely persecuted as bad as anything that the people in Smyrna endured. I was just reading yesterday about a, a family who, these radical Muslim extremists, this was in Africa, and they came in and told the man to deny his faith, and he wouldn't, they cut his head off. And then the wife and kids ended up getting beaten up, but then they escaped before they were forced into marriages. And now they've come back to what's left of their house, and they're rebuilding it and holding church meetings there. And it's like, okay, that's persecution. But we don't even like to think about it. We don't even like to consider the fact that there are places, there are people... Today, when I decided whether to go to church or not, well, I kind of felt obligated. But, um, <laughs> you know, when I'm making those kind of decisions, there are 
all across Iran, Christians who are being persecuted under the threat of death and they huddle together and they go to church anyway. It's, it's happening. It happens all the time. Now, are we the lucky ones who have gotten so soft and, and compromised that we don't even, you know, we can't relate to it at all? The people who are being persecuted often say every day they pray for us over here because they know what wimps we are and that if things take a turn, we will have no idea. We're used to a popular Christianity. We're not used to being targets. And when we become targets, you know, now you find out what your faith is really made of. By the way, when it comes to what brought this all along, be very cautious about making alliances with Caesar, making alliances with a particular political interest, issue, or party. I get why you want to do it. It feels great to think that we are going to get more power if we can get the right people into position. No, that never has worked. Study your history. It doesn't work that way. It can't happen that way. The truth is, we are always designed to be a minority that's under persecution. And if we compromise and we sell out to Caesar, even in a small way, it's like, oh, let's just throw a little you know, incense out to him and go, he's awesome, him and Jesus. That's exactly what Jesus is warning us about. And it happens all the time, by the way. The desire to be popular leads to a compromise of what you really believe, and now you're very careful to grease the right palms and to support the right people. Why? Not for the gospel, because I want my life to be comfortable. I want to insulate myself from persecution. There was, a while back, there were a group of Christian leaders and pastors who were invited to go into the office of our national leader and, and pose for pictures. They all got on social media, oh, praying for this guy. And I love that. I think it's cool. Except when they left his office, he turned to his aides and said, what a bunch of blanking morons. That's Caesar. That's the way it works. Sorry, we're never going to fit in. We're never going to be on the winning side until death happens. We're never going to be on the winning side until Jesus returns. You can take all the pleasure you want in thinking that if we whip up some big thing, well, we're going to take over. Learn from what Jesus said to Smyrna. It doesn't work that way. You'll know you're doing it right when people hate you. You'll come to understand ultimately that death is what you look forward to. You will get this perspective that Paul talked about when he said, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Do you understand? You're going to die. Now, I know the rapture could come and you won't. But for almost 2,000 years, people have died. And maybe you have a friend who didn't, you know, whatever. <laughs> Good for you. But you're probably going to die. Are you okay with that? Have you come to terms with the fact that Jesus said, you're going to die, but I've done it already, and it's not that big of a deal. Don't live your life in fear of death, because it happens whether you are afraid of it or not. But what you will do by living in fear, by living with a a manic obsession with trying to connect and be popular and, and, you know, let's get stronger and let's become a powerhouse. And it's like the cost of that 
is you waste an opportunity to truly understand what Jesus is actually saying here. And that's something that we, we ignore at our own peril. But if we understand that death is the end of all of us, and then what happens after? Now everything begins to come into perspective. If I'm living my life saying, I don't want to compromise. I'm not trying to make a big splash. I'm just wanting to live faithfully. And if I'm not being persecuted, I'm getting suspicious of why. In the end, we all die, but we choose. Do I die with faith in the one who died for me? Do I die with the knowledge that I'm coming back and better than ever and I will live for an eternity? That's the biggest question that there is in life is do you understand you're going to die? Do you know what's going to happen afterwards? And so Jesus is sharing this with Smyrna and I guess if life is going to hurt, I would like somebody to know that it's not a waste. That when it looks like I'm a loser on the earth, when it looks like things aren't going my way, not a concern. He said that was the way it would. He predicted it. He told us, no, you're never going to be popular. You're always going to be killed in one way or another. You're going to give your life. But give it for what? At what price of compromise will you sell out your Lord? That was what Smyrna needed to know. And that's the difficult decision that we need to face as well. Unless you think that somehow we've advanced way beyond what Jesus was saying here and things are different today. We're winning. No, we're not. And we're not being persecuted. There's a reason. Who needs to persecute us? We're weak and frail and, and, and gutless. If you're not being persecuted, you're probably cutting corners somewhere. Something to think about, at least. Thanks for joining us today for The Balanced Word with our pastor and Bible teacher, Dave Roth. We're developing a series on the seven churches of Revelation. And stay with us for more teaching from Pastor Dave. These programs are available by podcast at thebalancedword.com. You can also call us and request a CD copy at 949-362-7475. We'd also like to offer you Pastor Dave's Through the Bible in a Year series on a USB thumb drive for a gift of $25 or more. Go Through the Bible in a Year with Dave by ordering this special series today. Again, call 949-362-7475 or go to thebalancedword.com. Your gifts help to make these shows possible on stations like this one all across the nation. Thank you for standing with us with either a one-time gift or ongoing monthly support. Donations can be made at thebalancedword.com. Have you had a chance to listen to Pastor Dave's one-minute messages? You can listen to those at thebalancedword.com and even join our mailing list so you can have them delivered to you each day. You can also watch them on Instagram or Facebook by following CC Pacific Hills. We'd love for you to join us at Pacific Hills Calvary Chapel. Our service times on Sunday morning are at 8, 9.45 and 11.30. Directions and more information about the church can be found online at ccpacifichills.org. And you can watch our live stream there too, ccpacifichills.org. Can we pray for you? 
Just contact us through thebalancedword.com and leave a prayer request. Or again, call 949-362-7475. Let's wrap things up in prayer now. Lord, thank you for the church at Smyrna. Thank you for people like Polycarp and thousands and thousands of people since Polycarp who were willing to suffer rather than to kiss up to the government, rather than to compromise their faith, rather than to opt for a pretend version of Christianity that wins. The only way we win is with death. We thank you for that message because some of us are probably facing persecution right now. But our brothers and sisters all over the world facing horrible persecution and and thriving because of it. I pray that we would see that perspective. Help us to quit being crybabies about stupid little things that don't matter. Help us to stay focused on eternity and the knowledge that we're going to suffer and we're going to die and then the good part comes. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Still to come in our series on the seven churches, the dead church, the church of the word, the lukewarm church, and more. Join us in the days ahead as we go and grow through Revelation 2 and 3 with Pastor Dave. You're on The Balanced Word. This program is brought to you by Pacific Hills Calvary Chapel. Wake up my soul. Wake up early in the day. Wake up my hands. And the instrument I play.